I have only been a police officer for two years now. I would not say that I am a firm believer in ghosts, but I have no explanation for what happened on this night. This wasn't a call I was responding to, but I was just driving around and observed a vehicle parked alone in the middle of a church parking lot. This was at night, so I figured maybe some kids were doing whatever kids do, right? So I pull up on the car from the side and see that no one is inside the vehicle. I then park my car behind it to run the plate. Maybe someone stole it and dumped it in the parking lot. So I start to run the plate and I look at the car through the back window and, I kid you not, there was a person in the front seat looking at me through the rear view mirror. This is something you notice as a cop because when you do traffic stops, you can tell how intently someone is really watching you inside your car and possibly if they are going to try something. So I get an omomen of I didn't see there were people inside the car and drive up directly next to it to reassure myself what I saw. And then there was no one inside the car. Chills immediately ran down my back and I noped the F out of there. The car was later gone. I don't know what happened. I don't exactly know what I saw. But I was pretty freaked out. Me and my partners used to sit at that church on quiet nights because it is tucked away and you can just relax. I have not sat there since. Ex-UK officer here. A few years back, we were receiving phone calls from an elderly lady that lived alone. She reported seeing arms reaching through the walls in her living room and also hearing the sounds of screaming, wailing, and children laughing. I believe she was slightly confused and, unfortunately, might have been in the early stages of dementia, which naturally led everyone to believe she was imagining it. One day, we get a call from someone who is visiting her, saying she has just seen arms come through the walls in the old fireplace. Officers turn up and, after a bit of digging around the fireplace, it turns out the teenage kids of the scummy family next door had somehow made slash found a gap in the brickwork just up inside the chimney and were taunting this old lady by sticking their arms through and making ghost noises through the gap. They'd also been spraying deodorant into her house. It wasn't me who dealt with this, so unfortunately I don't have any details about what happened to the shikos doing it and whether or not they were prosecuted with anything. But let's just imagine the old lady eventually passed on, turned into a poltergeist, and tormented them all into madness. Here is a police officer I have told the story before, but here it is again, 100% true. I work in a large inner city district. Very poor. Lots of abandoned houses. We get a check the welfare run. Two ladies had just gotten home. We were walking up to their house when they heard noises coming from the house just to the west of theirs. They walk over, and they claim to hear two kids, a boy and a girl, crying and screaming from the basement of the house. The house was vacant, a fact that the ladies knew. So they claim they started talking to the kids. The kids are screaming about how scared they are. It's dark, and they can't get out. As a result, I get the dispatched run with a backup car. My dispatcher describes all of these creepy elements in the run. I disregard my backup because I think this is a stupid run, a waste of time, 
and I don't want other officers' time wasted either. When I arrive on the scene, the two ladies are flipping out. These ladies were black, which, coupled with the experience they just had, made for some high drama histrionics at the scene. I thought maybe one of their kids had been kidnapped or something, they were so wired. So I got them calmed down. I had to split them up, because they kept feeding into each other's energy, and they'd get all wired up again. I was forced to ask for backup, which annoyed me to no end because this was still a BS run. So they repeat their stories, which matched up more or less perfectly. A common police tactic is to separate people when it comes to a criminal investigation. It wasn't intentional when I did it this time, but it provided a little insight into their honesty on this occasion. So they were adamant about talking to the children. They led me over to the basement window where they had the conversation with these children. It's just a normal little rectangular basement window. They repeated the conversation they had with the children and said they talked to them for about five minutes. I listened at the window, nothing. To me, this run is still BS. I walk around the outside of the house. I'm not really looking for anything specific, just getting a feel for the place. All the windows are secured, the doors are all locked up. No one is getting into this house. At least not without showing forced entry. I walk back to the window where the incident took place and notice one thing peculiar. The window is fogged over. There is condensation all over the window. It's summertime, and that is a normal thing to see in houses with air conditioning. Except, this house either didn't have air conditioning, or it wasn't on, thieves steal the copper coils, so whole house AC is rare. And, it was the only window with condensation. On the whole house. No other basement windows, nor any of the first or second floor windows, had any condensation. I made the huge mistake of thinking out loud about this peculiarity with the window, because the two women flipped their stuff again. A lot of oh lordies and help me Jesus statements were getting thrown out. So at this point, I haven't heard anything from inside the house. I have a strange looking window in a house that is locked down tight. Private property, secured house, I can't make entry without an exigent circumstance. But does the claim that the women heard the children constitute an exigent circumstance? That's out of my pay grade. So I got a supervisor to come out which annoyed me even further. He arrives. I explain to him the situation. He authorizes forced entry. As a quick aside, I love kicking doors in. It rarely happens, but can be fun, and usually quite easy. This front door is heavily secured. It took about four kicks, but I was able to finally break it down. The city will reimburse the homeowner for the damage. So this house is probably 120 years old. It's got that musty slash dusty smell going on, old wood floors, plaster walls, very steep stairs, and no electricity. I went inside, and I'll be honest, I was a little creeped out, but I don't believe in anything paranormal. At all. 100% skeptic. So I'm expecting either a homeless guy or nothing. And it turned out that it was nothing. The house was very clean for its age. It was in the process of being worked on, with drywall stacked on the floors. It was easy to check every nook and cranny, 
and there were no signs of anyone being there. I went back outside, informed my supervisor that the house was secure, no one was inside, and was standing on the street in front of the house. We were just BSing about whatever, and while standing there, I looked over to the house, and in the second floor window, which would be where the front bedroom was, I saw something cross by the window. I can't tell you what it was. It was dark and tall. Human in shape. Adult humans but shadowy. Or in the shadows. I'm not talking about like a Slenderman type thing. I have no idea what it was. The only unsecured door to the house was still the front door, which I kicked in, and we were standing 20 feet away from it the whole time. Nothing could have gotten past us or inside. So I take off, running back inside the house. I'm convinced there is a squatter inside. I bound up the stairs, and nothing. Nothing is there. I checked everywhere again. There is nowhere to hide. And that's it. The chase is over. Sorry, no tree fitty. No funny memes. Just an odd, unexplained run. It was a few years back, maybe 09? It doesn't matter. It was night shift, just a regular night. My partner and I were conducting a walking patrol of this old crematorium that they turned into something or other. Well, this thing was huge. It took us about an hour and a half to walk through every room. Officer J and I split up. I had forgotten my flashlight at home and I was using my backup from my bag. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know the kind, like 38 feet long, takes about 200D batteries and the ridiculously low-lumen yellow-tinted baton with a bulb on the end. So I'm walking through the third floor or so when this stupid flashlight decides that the batteries just aren't doing it for it anymore and drops to 30% beam. I can't see anything. I've only walked through once or twice before. I decided, damn it. I sling the old moonbeam around my waist and try to feel my way to the stairwell. There are so many hallways, I missed my first turn. At this point, I'm lost. I refuse to go over the net and admit it. I start keying my mic, chirping rapidly, trying to get Officer Jay's attention. I've heard all the stories, about the long hallway and the man standing at the end of it. I find myself walking downstairs when I come to what sounds like, by my footsteps, a long hallway. I personally don't believe in ghosts, 
I feel that you have to have some sort of religious belief in order to. I had my left hand on the wall and my right on my pistol. I'd given up on keying my mic because I felt I was close to the exit. I thought I saw movement in front of me. I drew my weapon and stopped, stunned. I continued to walk, the clack 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 of my boots. I call out, Jay? No answer. Jay, I'm drawn. Still no answer. I continue to walk with the same clack clack clack. The wall to my left had disappeared. Finally, I saw light from the moon. A room with a window on the ground floor I'd just climb out the window. I'm done here. So I walked into the room, it's much colder in here. I walked to the window and a blast came out of my radio. I had it turned all the way up so Officer Jay could hear my chirps, so a blast comes out of my radio and it's Jay, we've got a jumper, sighed Charlie. Facing the front door is Alpha, Bravo to the left, Charlie to the rear, and Delta to the right. I will scramble out this window and eat stuff on my way out. The belt caught on my way out. Face plant, no putting your hands out to soften the blow. One was on my belt trying to set myself free, the other stuck behind me as I fell. Time is of the essence. I hit the ground running. It takes I have five seconds to get my belt barrings. I'm on the Alpha Delta corner. I start running as hard as I can and I hear Jay screaming at this guy not to do it. He has his mic keyed so I can hear it from a ways off and in my ear. I made it around Delta corner and Jay screamed, no and turned away from the building. I looked and looked, but I saw no one. There was a panic. I was out of breath. I don't remember babbling, but I'm sure it sounded like where's the jumper? Jay said, he jumped. I couldn't stop him, I said, bro, I don't see anybody. We looked, looked, and looked some more and there wasn't anybody there. There never was. Jay was seeing something. To this day, if you ask him, there was a jumper, and he watched him leap. My father-in-law was a policeman. He worked as a deputy for years, and just before he got his job with the state troopers, he got a call to check on an older man in his 80s claiming that there was an alien in his closet. Now, apparently, this man had been calling about this alien for three days, but they never sent anyone to check on it because they thought the guy was crazy. This was back in the late 70s and early 80s in rural Florida, so apparently ignoring someone's emergency calls because crazy was something that was okay. So, he gets to the guy's house, and the old man is immediately relieved. He starts going on and on about how he didn't know what he was going to do with the alien and he had it locked in the closet for the last three days, and should he be bringing in military backup? My father-in-law tells him that he is qualified to handle situations like this, that it's part of the training, the whole thing to get the guy to calm down and show him what is in the closet, because now he is concerned that there actually might be someone there. The old guy opens the closet and shows him what's inside. Apparently, a Jehovah's Witness or some similar missionary had come to the old man's door, and because the missionary was Indian, he freaked out, whacked the guy over the head, and tied him up in the closet. The poor guy was covered in poo and piss and was totally dehydrated and barely coherent when he finally got out of the closet. 
both the old guy and the missionary ended up being taken to the hospital, where the missionary got treatment, and the old guy had to wait for his son to come get him because they didn't want to repeat. I was a part-time cop for a large university. This university has a nuclear reactor used for research. Since its output is supposedly weapons-grade material, it has pretty tight security hooked up to the system at the dispatch desk, including audiovisual surveillance and motion and vibration sensors. One day, I'm chilling with the dispatcher on a night shift because I've got a spare hour and a motion sensor goes off in the control room. Nothing appears in the video. The dispatcher grumbles at that damn cat. Sure enough, in the break room next to control, a cat walks out of a wall, sits on the table for a second, then vanishes. Over the course of the next 10 minutes, we watch as alarm after alarm activates, including one labeled reactor pool, usually accompanied by video of a cat. I watch in awe as the dispatcher calls the unit sitting outside the reactor and reports that Schrodinger is at it again. A grumpy full-time cop walks through the building, clearing room after room, including a few with a cat watching. He reports everything in detail. Here are a couple of police stories that come to my mind. First one I was patrolling some older neighborhoods. It was around 2 AM. I turn a corner and there's a girl curled up in the fetal position screaming bloody murder in the middle of the road. I get out, assuming it's a domestic issue. Her female friend is frantically running around as well. By now, every hair on my neck is straight up expecting I'm about to get into a confrontation with whomever created this mess. I make my way to the house and there are more people inside. Everyone is flipping the hell out. I paid no attention to my surroundings, I just walked around in a weird daze. After all was said and done, I learned they were using an Ouija board and some weird things went down that tripped everyone out. I just happened to come across the aftermath. The second one there was some old woman who called, reporting that someone had broken into her home and was hiding in the closet. Upon arrival, it was clear she was not quite all there. We searched the house and came up empty. She was insistent that he was in this one particular closet. Not missing a beat, my partner pulls out a set of handcuffs and goes on to pretend to arrest a person from said closet. He then escorted the person out of the house. She was literally completely satisfied with it. We then contacted her family, who came to stay with her and get her some help. The last thing is that a few of us on overnight got this wild hair about ghost hunting. So naturally, we started with cemeteries. We could go leave a digital recorder in the middle of one and retrieve it a couple hours later when it got slower, around 4 AM. We would then spend from 4 AM to 6 AM writing reports and listening to the recorder. There were certainly some odd sounds that would come across it from time to time but nothing ever too bad. Just tapping and crunching noises. The funniest story from that is that one of the guys was super into it. One really slow night, he decided to go take pictures in a smaller cemetery at the witching hour, hoping to catch something strange. A few minutes into it, the desk sergeant comes over the radio, 
requesting whoever was at X cemetery to report to the station. He did. The sergeant had fielded a phone call from a citizen wondering why there was a cop in the cemetery taking pictures at 3 a.m. The sergeant was on it and promptly told her there had been recent vandalism and he was probably documenting it. She was happy with that. But the sergeant's WTF are you doing to the officer was fantastic. We then had to disclose what we had been up to. We were obviously told to stop. Good times on the night shift. A police officer is present. Three years ago, living in Colorado, the station got a call about a ghost in someone's house. I wasn't the one on the phone, but apparently the person was hysterical and hard to understand. When I arrived on the scene, this woman of about 40 was standing in her front yard. The house is upper middle class and pretty bland. She swears there is a ghost inside. The only reason we didn't disregard the call is because she claimed there was screaming in her attic. She claimed the ghost was doing it. I was supposed to make sure an animal wasn't stuck up there or something. She explains that she has been hearing this screaming and bumping on the walls for the past two days. She is the only one who lives there, no pets who could cause it, neighbors are on vacation. So, of course, the logical explanation is a ghost. She was far too afraid to check the attic, so I headed up there. It was full of cobwebs and musty, and of course, the only light bulb didn't work. I take a step, and all of a sudden I hear banging and muffled yelling. Navigating with my flashlight, I head over to the source, a corner in the far back. There was a hobo there. His leg had fallen through the floor and was stuck, and he couldn't get out. He started crying tears of joy when I walked over, thanking me and asking for help simultaneously. I pulled him out, trying to scratch his leg as little as possible, and let him outside after letting him stop and get some water. He told me he was just looking for a place to spend the night, and I felt like he had gotten punished enough for his trespass. I asked if he needed anything else before I sent him on his way. When he opened his mouth to speak, I realized that he was a 50-foot-tall, gray leviathan from the Paleolithic era. He said, well, could I have about a tree fitty? I responded, I ain't giving you no tree, fitty, Loch Ness monster. Get out of here. Looking defeated, he began to make his way to the nearest lake. I was a cop for a stretch in the late 90s to late 2000s. I worked in what amounted to a southern plantation town. Lots of history, lots of death, lots of very old architecture from the late 1800s. There is lots of superstition and belief. The police department building itself was supposedly haunted. The second story had previously been a jail, and multiple people had died from being murdered or committing suicide. No one would go upstairs at night, and the dispatchers were often left alone in the building over the night shift. All of them were convinced the place was haunted. After my first year there, I settled down and had heard all of the stories. I decided, since my co-officers were old and quite lazy in terms of being proactive cops, that I would debunk this haunting thing. Night after night, I would go up onto the second floor and just sit there in the dark. Alone waiting to see or hear something. 
I heard quite a lot. But I'd find the noises and it would, without fail, be something completely explainable. In my youth, I was proud to have put my fears of the boogeyman aside and actually investigated these paranormal occurrences objectively. For all of the stories I have heard, it strengthens you to put away your fear goggles and actually check things out. I never had anything paranormal happen to me as a cop. I always had a knack for finding out the meaning of things. I will say that, call it sixth sense, or intuition, or whatever, without the paranormal mumbo-jumbo, I have had that gut feeling on things that has definitely saved my ass. I don't think that's ghosty, I think it's just the totality of our senses that somehow makes things not seem right. It's a survival instinct, maybe a little beyond our current understanding. My father has been a cop for years, and he used to regularly get called to the house of an elderly man who said that aliens were trying to send him signals. Every time the signals got particularly bad, he would call the police to come do something about it, though he couldn't specify exactly what they should do. His entire house was covered in aluminum foil. Every. Single. Day surface. Walls, ceilings, fan blades, floors, counters, tables, stairs. He also wore a hat either covered in or made out of aluminum foil. So that the alien signals wouldn't penetrate him or his home. He lived alone for way too long and was eventually moved to an assisted living home in the same town, where he would call the cops on the room next to his for pumping odorless gas into his room through the non-existent gas pipe. My dad had one that happened at a long train trestle in the middle of nowhere. It didn't span much water, just a small creek and a big valley, and was maybe 80 feet high at most. The train engineer called in the middle of the night saying someone was on the trestle and he nearly hit them. It's not unusual for kids to recreate the famous scene from Stand By Me there regularly. My dad was about a quarter mile away, which was not enough time for anyone to get off of the thing by the time he showed up. The railroad said that the next train would come through in around an hour, so he had time to do a quick search. He gets to the top and, with his lights on, his cruiser and flashlight can nearly light the entire thing up. He sees nothing, but he hears footsteps on the wood planks, and shortly after, something hits the bottom. He goes to where he heard something hit the brush, but he doesn't see anything. He calls for backup and the fire department. A sheriff's deputy shows up with a K-9 and they begin to search. They end up finding nothing. My dad says he was always a skeptic until that day and he cannot explain what happened there. He said something jumped off that trestle and it wasn't a deer or animal. The United Kingdom I work as a special constable, which is basically a volunteer cop. My partner and I are tasked with patrolling an area with a lot of abandoned farmhouses one night. This is the North, after all and pretty much anything industrial lies in ruins nowadays. This story isn't really responding to a call, but just some strange things. My partner and I got along brilliantly. We both like the same music and have the same quirks, such as loving stargazing and animals. 
So it's fantastic that we're on night shift together. It's about 2 a.m. It's a really quiet night with no jobs coming through. We went to a total of two this one included, and clear skies. So we park up in a remote area and just have a gaze for a bit at the stars and wildlife some foxes, rabbits, owls pretty standard but awesome. See a shooting star or two, and just have a nice chat as well. We're sharing some coffee from a thermos and trying to figure out where Jupiter and Mars are in the sky, when we notice one of the abandoned farmhouses has a flickering light in the window. Thinking it's just some kids drinking in a creepy place and maybe doing an Ouija board, we drive up and park near the farmhouse. Through a broken window, we can see candlelight and hear some whispers. We walk up to the window and peer in, and see nothing but a candle in the center of the room, surrounded by newspapers and some books, set in the middle of a chalk circle on the floorboards. Creepy. We can still hear some whispers, so we climb through the broken window and check out the room. This is where it starts to get freaky. The newspapers are all from the 1930s, and the books are all journals. I flick through one, and it just has really messy handwriting scrawling about a man and how much hatred this person has for him, and how he's going to murder him if he doesn't get out of his head. Double creepy. That's when my partner realizes the wallpaper pattern isn't actually a pattern, but rather writing. Extremely small writing. She goes over to read it, and, I kid you not, this really tiny, very neat, handwriting repeated around the entire room on all of the wallpaper the words get out of my head, Simon. I'll kill us both. Triple creepy. Thinking a proper schizo is in here, we shout police. Make yourself known. Suddenly, there's a scamper of footprints, heavy breathing, and a smashing window. We follow it to where we hear it, and see a black figure running away through the long grass of the field. We give chase on foot, torches on the suspect, and the figure just drops to the ground. We ran to where it dropped. Nothing there. The long grass clearly showed the track of where the figure had run through, but there was literally nothing there except a patch of flat grass. No grass was disturbed anywhere else. We call the dog unit, and the dog finds a scent, but the scent ends where the figure dropped. It couldn't find anything else anywhere, and just started whimpering at that final spot. Quadruple freaky. So, we head back to the house. The candles, newspapers, and journals are all gone. The writing on the walls is still there. Quintuple freaky. We head back to the car, head back to the Nick, and just sit there, wide-eyed, thinking WTF. Then we got called to a domestic. Not a cop, but a Chicago police sergeant I once had the acquaintance of used to love telling this story. I was a young patrol officer on the south side of Chicago in the early 70s. I used to get called to an address, he was one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Say the exact one, but I'm leaving it out on 100th street for a disturbance on a regular basis. I would arrive, knock on the door, and the residents would tell me that there's something going on next door, they're hearing a lot of screaming and yelling coming from women. That it sounded like they were being murdered. I'd listen, then point out their address. I'd invariably get yeah, that's my address as a response. I'd then say, do you know what happened here? The residents would give me a wide-eyed stare as they realized what happened on that site. Their next words would be we're gone. The sergeant was responding to a call from the unit where Richard Speck murdered seven nursing students. A friend of mine's dad used to be a cop but is now a probation officer. I decided to go on a camping trip and wandered into a very suspicious situation. In Texas, there is an abandoned YMCA camp. No one knows why they left, and everything is still there. It seems like they just got up one day and left. No employees or campers came out or said why. So he decided to go camping there with his son and two other father officers. They drive up to the city it's near and flash their badges, saying they need the code to get in. No one knows it or wants to give it to them. They finally get an 80-year-old bartender to after a couple drinks. They enter and it's exactly what they thought, abandoned with sailboats and tents still there. They hike for a while and find a place to camp right next to a hill. He says he saw what looked like a man crouching down watching them on top of the hill. He and another dad go up there to check him out, but when they get close, he's not there anymore. But when they walk back down, he's there again. They just assume it's a heat illusion or something. They go on with the day and go to bed. In the middle of the night, he hears his buddy outside on his left side of his tent. He begins to put on his shoes when he hears a voice to his right saying, don't get out, that wasn't me. He stayed in his tent and kept hearing what sounded like the same two people telling him two different things. He eventually falls asleep and wakes up to everyone packing in a rush. On the ground, Written in black chalk or ash, it says leave now or else.
They immediately pack up and head back to their car, but now the car won't start. In such a rush, they hike out and back into town, go to the police station, and not a single officer accepts to go into the camp to investigate. After searching all day, they find a mechanic who has a tow truck and says he would go in but for a hefty price. He tows the truck out, and once it is garage, it works fine. I didn't have to touch it. I couldn't understand why it hadn't worked before. My dad is a cop, so I'll tell you a story. He receives a call around 3 AM from a bad part of town. He gets there and she has a weird house with lots of spiritual things like a Ouija board and stuff. So he is greeted by her when she opens the door and goes into her room. There were candles lit and she says there were ghosts speaking to her. She also claims to know about horrible things happening, like natural disasters. My dad declares that she is crazy as f and leaves. She called a few more times, but nobody went to her house. She ended up killing herself. My dad kinda messed up my life for a bit, but he knew she was crazy and it wasn't his fault. I worked nights. One night, at about 3 AM, I decided to go check out a new subdivision that's under construction on top of a mountain. The main road of the subdivision dead ends into some woods, and a little ways back through a trail in the woods is a clearing overlooking a cliff with an awesome view. Before they started building the subdivision, it was a popular hangout for kids. The former owners of the property kept it gated off because multiple kids had died over the years after getting drunk and falling off the cliff, but the resourceful buggers still managed to get in and party up there every weekend. I decided to go up there and poke around, partly because the developer had asked us to keep an eye on it to make sure nobody was hanging out by the cliff, but also out of sheer curiosity since I hadn't been back there since they started developing the land. I noticed there were very few finished homes in the neighborhood, and all of them were near the entrance to the subdivision. The only cars I saw were parked in front of those finished houses, at least a few hundred yards from the tree line. I got out, past the huge no trespassing sign, and started walking down the trail, thinking I would head down to the bluff and check out the view for a minute before heading back to my car, back to civilization. There's only one trail leading to the bluff, and it was noticeably more overgrown than it had been back before the subdivision went in. After a minute or two of walking, I started hearing something in the distance, deeper in the woods. I stopped and listened, and I could hear what sounded distinctly like a woman talking. I thought, okay, cool, guess I'm about to have to run some kids off from the bluffs. I walked a little farther and started to hear another voice, this one male. The voices were faint, but they were close enough that I could distinguish at least two separate speakers. I walked all the way to the end of the trail, all the while hearing the sounds of voices in the distance, growing louder as I got closer to the clearing. I got to the clearing at the edge of the cliff, still fully expecting to find a group of kids hanging out around a campfire, having a good old time. Instead, I found nothing. No kids, no campfire. No empty beer bottles, no trash, no sounds of people walking through the thick underbrush to get away. There was no evidence that anyone had been there recently. Just an empty clearing, 
a breathtaking city view, and silence. It was all I could do to keep from sprinting back up the trail, especially when, about halfway back to my car, I realized that the voices had started again, coming from the direction of the bluff. Ninja edit, I am well aware that what I heard was probably just birds or some other woodland creatures making perfectly natural noises that, from a distance in the dark, sounded to me like people talking. I'm sure that whatever critter I was hearing was just getting close to the clearing, and stopped when I got too close. I know that, but I still get chills thinking about it. I was stationed in Germany, and lived in an old turn-of-the-century house that I rented out from an elderly person who no longer lived in the area. The village only numbered around 115 people, and maybe 60% only lived there year-round. During the night there wasn't much light, so after dark, settled around the hills and mountains, you heard a lot of noises. The house was big. I mean huge. A finished basement, a mid-floor with our bedrooms and a living room, and then there was upstairs. It has nine rooms and around 3,200 square feet the problem was upstairs. Upstairs had one little side room and one giant room, which at first was our room, and then across from it was an equally sized room that was locked and had the landlady's old furniture and stuff. It stayed locked, and we weren't allowed in. Me and my wife always hear noises up there. And occasional bumps, and often joked about ghosts. My wife left a month later to visit her family in the United States. I was left to myself. The sounds across the hall in that room seemed to pick up more. Or maybe I noticed more. One night, I turned off all the lights and went to sleep. The noises woke me. I shrugged it off and dozed back off. In what was probably only a second, a loud voice yelling right in my ear yelled wake up. In a loud guttural voice. I freaked out. I ran for the light. Looked around and saw nothing. I nodded out went downstairs, and set up my bed in one of the other rooms. I didn't sleep up there anymore. I work at a world-famous hospital. A few years ago, I used to do security here on the night shift from 11 to 7. Well, I had heard about EVPs from coast to coast as mentioned above. I am a believer, but I need solid proof that something is going on, and that it can't be ruled out by a logical scientific reason. Anyways, fast forward. So every night around 3 AM, I would get this weird feeling like someone was in this lobby as I walked through. I decided to take a recorder and said, if anyone is here, you can talk into this mic right here and I can hear you. Then I set the recorder down and walked away. About 45 minutes later, I came back, grabbed the recorder, and went about my way. Later that morning, I put on headphones and decided to listen, thinking to myself, this is stupid, I won't hear anything, but hey, it supposedly worked with other people, so what the hell. I put my headphones in and right where I said you can talk into the mic if you want to say something, there was a response as clear as day, thank you and nothing else. It freaked me out, needless to say. As this was at 3 in the morning, I was the only one in this building, and hearing a voice just really got my mind going, 
so I decided to take this recorder in different areas and try it more, and had a lot of success recording dozens of voices at 2 and 3 a.m. It was creepy, to say the least. One time, I even put the recorder down and said, I believe you are here and want to communicate. I set the recorder down and walked away. When I came back, I immediately wanted to check what it said. At the point where I said I wanted to communicate, a loud raspy voice screamed stop it, which freaked me out big time. I later that night walked into another area without a recorder and in front of my face had a wailing, crying scream, a woman's voice, for like 5 seconds, which literally scared the ever-loving s out of me. I searched the area thinking maybe someone was in distress, but there were only three rooms in the area, and all three were empty. I hopped on a close phone to call and report what just happened, and as I was explaining it to the guy on the phone, the scream happened again right in front of my face. Shortly after that, I went into EMT and moved on from that job. I like to think I am pretty rational, minus my curiosity getting the better of me and recording things out of thin air and having things scream at me out of thin air, which the people on the phone also heard, so I know I am not a complete loon at least. At any rate, that is what I went through, and it was pretty creepy to say the least. The 911 call taker received a 911 call from a frantic woman stating there was a burglar in her home. The caller told me that she went out for a cigarette at night and when going outside noticed the front door open a crack. She closed it and went to the backyard to have her smoke. It was there she saw the basement light on through the window and saw what she described as a thin, tall white male with dark jeans, a black jacket, a scarf, and a ski hat with a pom-pom on top. The caller went back to her home, locked the back door, gathered her family in the bedroom, which was 8 to 10 feet from the hallway that led to the basement. At this point, the police have been dispatched and have arrived on the scene. Multiple surrounding towns responded to set up a perimeter. The back and front were both covered, and the basement had bars on the windows, so all exits were covered. The police got the spare key hidden from the caller's directions that I relayed to them, entered the home, and did an interior search which found no one in the home. The caller was very sure of what she saw and even knew her facial features. The caller had no history of mental illness and had never made a call like that before. She ended up taking her kids and staying with family a few towns over. Police cleared because there was no suspect and no way for anyone who was inside to escape. Next shift, one of the senior guys who had been there nearly 26 years told us he had responded to the suicide of a young white male in the basement. Apparently, he had shot himself with his father's shotgun which was in a case on the wall near where the caller described him standing and looking around. We all believed that she saw a ghost that night. Probably not exactly what the tread is asking for, but kind of a ghost-related 911 call my wife made last summer. I am stationed in Japan with my wife back in the States. I typically say goodnight to her about noon Japan time. One afternoon, my phone rang with her number at about 1,600, the middle of the night for her. Hey honey, what are you doing up? Her voice was shaky, a forced whisper in a near panic, 
there's someone in the house. My heart instantly started pounding, my hands shaking. I had to fight back the urge to projectile vomit. I'd felt adrenaline before, in a former career as a paramedic and getting into car accidents and such. But this was the single worst moment of my life, from a mundane afternoon at work to realizing the single thing most precious in my life might be in grave danger and I'm on the other side of the planet, totally helpless. Grab your work phone, get in the closet, lock the door, and call 911. Stay on the phone with me. The longest, most terrifying six minutes of my life passed as we waited together for the police to show up listening to her stifled sobs. I- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. I could hear in her voice that she was physically shaking with fear. In the background, I heard noises, like someone was banging doors or cabinets. My emotional roller coaster went from blind rage to despair and back again parabolically about 30 times before finally, finally, the sound of an officer's voice in her bedroom saying it's okay to come out. A tsunami of relief washed over me. I teared up. I was so happy. I was laughing and crying and just reveling in how beautiful life is, how much I love my wife, and how amazing it is to know that she's safe. In the background, I could hear the officer, ma'am, the door to your garage was ajar when we entered. Did you close and lock it? Yes, I definitely did. My heart rate started elevating again. Suddenly, in the background, the cop said, Jim, what the F was that? Ma'am, stay here. She was giving me a play-by-play of the cops pulling their weapons and quickly clearing the house again. This being a small town, she said there were probably five cops there. She said the same banging noise started up again while the cop was talking to her. The noise continued while they cleared the house. At this point, she said, They were clearly getting pretty freaked out, and she was getting worked up again too. With the house cleared a second time and the cops unable to pinpoint the sound, they went outside to continue the search. My wife went out into the driveway after them and watched as they entered the house next door, a brownstone that shares a common wall with our house. This house was still an empty shell under construction. Weapons drawn, flashlights up, Probably the entire police force if this small town breached and cleared an unfinished home under construction. After about a minute, she said, they all came out laughing. There was a piece of plywood leaning against the common wall at a precarious angle, being blown by the wind. Apparently, it was being blown in such a way that it would come off the wall and slam back down again. To my sleeping wife next to an open window, it sounded like someone was trying to break in. The door to the garage opened mysteriously several more times after that before we figured out that it didn't close and lock all the way due to the weather stripping. We still laugh about it to this day. But man, that thing was scary. 
Even the cops said they were freaked out by it. My friend's high school had an on-duty police officer there during school hours. The joke was that he was a white guy in disguise because he was black, but he had the absolute perfect game show host announcer meets Captain America way of speaking. He was a bit of a lump, meant well, but he always walked around with this I got this kind of stride and about 800% more self-confidence than is probably standard issue. Well, one day there's a commotion in the main office, someone's in the storeroom and they're just tearing things up in there. It sounded like things were being knocked over, broken, and generally made a mess of, but nobody knew who was in there and everyone was too afraid to open the door and find out. Responding as fast as he could, Captain Courage raced up to the door and, upon hearing what surely must have been mass carnage, jerked it open and dove in heroically brandishing a nightstick and a flashlight. The door swung partly closed, and for a split second, the noise stopped. Then his voice could be heard loud and clear. As I'm speaking to you now, are you paying attention? My friend knew from experience that it was wise to ask this question at some point. He started in his signature deep all-American bellow and come out. Come out. But that went from Captain America to Sweet Brown in about three seconds. The man came barreling out slipping and sliding on various liquids that had been spilled and a cascade of all manner of things that had been knocked out. A squirrel, the fiercest predator known to man, flew out and bolted for an open door a few seconds later. I worked security for a grocery store a few years ago. As I was making my rounds, I heard a scream come from the produce room. I ran over there to find the employee white as a sheet and shaking. I asked him what was wrong, and he said as he was walking past the back door he saw a man standing there staring at him. The back door led to a back aisle where customers were not allowed, I take off down the aisle. No one is there. The night shift hadn't arrived yet to stock the shelves, so it wasn't them. I checked the cameras and didn't see anyone there. He was certain of what he saw however, and asked me to accompany him in the back until the end of his shift, which I did. Not long after that night, a whole lot of weird stuff started happening around the store and a few people got so scared they switched departments or straight up quit. I really wish I could contact one specific officer from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. He was called because I had vandalized and destroyed property in the 7 to 11 convenience store on Church Road. He caught me about five blocks away, being half carried by my visibly shaken best friend. I was dead on my feet, ghostly white. He threw me in the back and demanded that my friend leave the scene. All I could do was weakly ask him to watch the security tape since the store had about nine cameras. God forbid the stingy Laotian owners lose a bag of corn nuts, the cameras must have revealed events pretty much as I remember them. I was an ugly, underweight teenager arguing with a withered, agitated Laotian cigarette hag about mispriced merchandise. Then my stance shifts to rigidly upright as everything on the cigarette rack falls to the floor and two aisles of vile processed snacks stand on and dump into the aisle. The woman starts screaming and dives for the phone, 
as my much larger, and very terrified, friend desperately tries to drag me away. I was 14, he was about 20. Finally, he uproots me and the stuff stops moving. When the cop got back to the car, he was paler than I was, threw the car door open, and screamed get the f out. I had to almost crawl until I could get to my nearest friend's place and pass out for a while. If it matters, I'm a scientist, I mostly work on finding new ways to handle invasive species, and I have an advanced degree in GIS management. But this event, and others like it spaced around my life, forced me to keep an open mind toward unexplained phenomena. I read a lot of David Ray Griffin and Stuart Hameroff's writings on these subjects, and it's led me down quite a few interesting paths, including doing ghost hunts with soul and LA spirits, learning about rune casting and pathworking, and more. 95% of all occult or supernatural stuff is fraud, BS, or wishful thinking, but there is just so much we do not know. One thing is for sure, cops are not the kind of people to handle the matter. Okay, I guess I'll be one of those people who shares a paranormal story, a couple actually, with no police involved at all. But I think people might still find them interesting. This is really long, but I don't want to separate it into multiple comments and be accused of karma whoring. Anyway, in spite of the fact that I have had several personal paranormal experiences, my mom has never been a believer. I think that might be changing, though. My mom and stepdad stayed at a hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. There was a couple in the room next to them that was fighting all night. My mom said it would get so bad she would almost call the front desk, then it would settle down some, etc. They said it was very unnerving to listen to the couple fight with the woman crying and the man yelling, and it woke them up several times. The next morning, as they left, the door to that room was open and the room was completely made up. No personal belongings, beds made, etc. They figured that the couple had left early that morning. As they checked out at the front desk, my mom mentioned to the clerk that they had almost called because the couple in the room next to them fought all night. You can probably see where this is going but they were told that no one had stayed in that room. They were later told that a man had murdered his wife in that hotel. I have not researched to find out if that is true. One of my children has always been very sensitive to things. He picks up on the emotions of others very easily and is extremely empathetic. He was six years old when we moved into a house that had been built in the 1940s. The house had had one owner, the couple who built the house lived in it until they died, and then we bought the house from their kids. Obviously, we didn't tell our young children that the previous owners had died. During the course of buying the house, we met two of the daughters, and they never mentioned another sister, but they mentioned at one point that three girls had shared the smaller of the two bedrooms. When we moved in, we took the smaller bedroom and gave what had been the master bedroom to our two little boys. Right after we moved in, I was in the basement with the boys when my older son, the sensitive one, kind of yelped and ran out from behind the staircase and said, there is a little girl back there. I figured he had seen a shadow vaguely shaped like someone, but I asked him what she looked like, and he said, she had short blonde hair like Katie, and she had a dress on with pink or yellow flowers, 
and she had bare feet, or maybe she was wearing flip-flops. Way too much detail to not have actually seen something. He said, I looked at her for about this long, then he paused for about 8 to 10 seconds, and then I looked away, and when I looked back, she was gone. 8 to 10 seconds doesn't sound like a long time, but that is a good long look when you really time it out. He was freaked out, and I tried to appear calm as we all noped our way back upstairs. The boys wouldn't go back in the basement for the rest of the time we lived there, five years, and insisted we keep the door at the top of the stairs closed. Of course, I immediately started thinking about the third daughter that we didn't meet and no one talked about. Same house the light in the kitchen would randomly go off and come on. There seemed to be no pattern. We could be in the kitchen or not and the light would go off and then, a while later, come back on. We knew the house had been partially rewired at some point but were unsure about the kitchen. Concerned about a fire hazard from old wiring, we had an electrician out to check it. He said the kitchen had been rewired at some point but was still pretty old, but he didn't see any problems or hazards. Still, the light turns on and off randomly. We put up with it for a while but were still worried about a fire. Finally, we decided to just rewire the whole thing. The switch was in an inconvenient place, so we had all the wiring to that light redone and the switch moved across the room with all new wiring. The light still went on and off randomly, but at that point, we felt we had done all we could. Same house. My sensitive son told us that at different times he had seen an old man and an old woman. He had a lot of details, just like with a little girl. He was smoking one of those cigarettes you make yourself that are skinnier on the ends, my son explained. We wondered where our son had learned about joints, but it turns out he was trying to describe a cigar. He said the old man walked into his closet and then disappeared. The old woman he had seen in the hallway and said she had a white button-up shirt on and had the sleeves rolled up and she had pens in the shirt pocket. Same house, many times the house would suddenly start to smell like someone was cooking bacon. A very strong smell. We rarely made bacon at the time, and it was way too strong to have a lingering odor anyway. We got to the point where we would just say, the old lady is making bacon again. And go on with what we were doing. The only scary thing that happened was once when my son, again, the oldest, woke up one morning and told us someone had slapped him across the face while he was sleeping. He hadn't come to get us right when it happened, so we couldn't look for redness. Then a couple of weeks later, I was sleeping on my stomach and was woken up by what felt exactly like someone punching me, hard, right in the butt cheek. My husband hadn't come to bed yet, so when I found I was alone, I went to find my husband because I was really scared. While I was telling him, I remembered my son saying he had been slapped, and I became damn near hysterical. But I had just had surgery, was on pain meds, and also have sleep apnea, so we wrote it off as having to do with all of that, but I swear it felt like I really got punched. We ended up moving, not because of the ghosts or whatever, the house was a money pit, but after we had our stuff moved out, we were doing some repairs in the house. My brother was helping and had brought his dog. His dog absolutely refused to go into the boy's bedroom or the basement, even when we were all in there. We would try to call him in there, 
but he would just cower on his belly and not budge. Oh, and about the third sister. One day, I was out in the yard gardening and she stopped by. It turns out she lived on the same street, but she and the other sisters had had a falling out. She stopped by to tell us the house looked nice and to ask for a cutting off of her mom's rose bush. So I have no idea who the little girl in the basement was.